This podcast was recorded before the collapse of the ESL. Welcome to Sports 360 Podcast. Here we talk about issues in the wide world of sports, ranging from local issues from the Nigerian scene to global issues. And uh, we like to make it an all-sports affair. Sports 360, we can go anywhere, any sport. My name is DG Omoto Imbo. And I'm Adeyemi Adesoya. I am Akimbode Ubuntui. Well, what difference a week makes last week and since then a lot a lot a whole lot has happened locally and globally in terms of football so today we're going to concentrate on football all through sports 360 podcast we'd like to thank you for joining us thank you for all of those that made us number one a couple of weeks ago we really thank you for listening all right guys um let's start from home a few weeks ago i think episode three we discussed about nigerian club side trying to do things in a different way, running into some obstacles, but still trying to plow their way through the very, very difficult minefield of Nigerian football. And we're talking about Vandreza FC. Uh, but it looks like that ship has sailed. <laughs> it looks like Vandreza got tired. And Vandreza actually last week officially announced they were pulling out of the NNL because of certain issues. But they, Ogutui, as always, will set the table for us before we sink our teeth into the meat. But what happened? Well, um, remember when we, when we talked about Vandreza, we talked about um, the reluctance of some clubs mm. to have them import their multiple cameras into, mm-hmm. into, um, uh, onto, their own venues. onto their own venues on game days. Vandreza typically travels with 12 cameras. They usually use eight. Uh, when they went to Omok, uh, in the, that famous incident that they walked away in, in, a, uh, in Port Harcourt against Ground FC, um, they went with eight cameras. The go around FC officials refused to let them set up eight cameras because the, the, the law, the rule says that, uh, they can set up two cameras. They wanted to, they, they wanted it. It was rejected and they said they wanted to set up three. But at that point, mm. Um, it had, it, it had, it had gotten to an ego level, uh, because, uh, Vandreza had called official, of, officials of the NNL who had given them a blank check mm. that mm. they, they can carry mm. as many cameras as possible into any venue. So they'd call those ones and those ones have said, you know what? Negotiate with Goran FC. Let's see if they will agree. And of course, when they had made the bravado of making phone calls, mm. so I said, okay, mm. you know what? Let's use three. Um, Goran FC people said, no way. It's either two cameras or nothing. So they walked out of that game. Now, it was the disciplinary action of that game that led to their walk out of the league. Because when the NNL ruled, they said that since you walked out of a game, you are fined a million naira and forfeited and, and you are forfeited three, three, points. three points and three goals to go around FC. So they felt offended that, hey, NNL, you gave us a letter mm-hmm. saying we can carry our cameras into any venue. And that's, that's a letter that they've been brandishing everywhere they go. We have authority from the NNL to do this. Mm. Uh, but unfortunately for them, uh, some clubs understand the rules as it is. They didn't get a notice from NNL that, hey, we have given, we have given Vandreza a note to bring in all the cameras and that, that they, and they simply stood on the rules. Mm. And so when that decision was handed down to Vandreza, they wrote a letter saying, 
that they are tired of playing in the NNL and they are, they are, they are pulling out of the league. Okay, um, Yemi, isn't the NNL culpable here? Because of that letter that gives uh, a blanket uh, approval to Van Reza to carry the cameras home and away, I feel there is a gray area there. I feel when a club is hosting, the, the home team has some rights on the matches. Van Reza might not be making money on those games right now. We do not know. But if potentially they're making money on the broadcast of those games, the home teams, I think, deserve a piece of the pie, so to speak. So was it right for NNL to give Van Reza that blanket approval, which I think is like what they said, that's what they were branching on about. And did they do that in consultation with the other teams to say, this club is going to be coming to your, you know, I feel the NNL is a bit culpable. That will come to Van Reza in a minute, but is NNL culpable in granting that kind of approval, which technically, I think, in my own view, you guys may disagree with me, I think they shouldn't have granted. The NNL are very culpable, extremely culpable. Issues are related to broadcast rights, mm. and I use that in, you know, broadcast commerce, you know, mm. are very sensitive issues. And like it or not, the home teams in this case um, are also owners of the rights. So yeah. whether Vanessa is making money off the YouTube streams or whatever streams is not so important. Mm. But the bottom line is that these home teams also have a right. It is also their intellectual property, mm-hmm. like it or not. So the NNL should have been smart and responsible responsible to the entire league, the whole responsibility to the entire league to have called a stakeholders meeting at the start of the season when Vandresa approached them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to, you know, do these live streams. I said, guys, we're going to give these guys an approval to live stream all their matches. So when they come to your venues, give them, you know, your full cooperation. Also, they could have as well opened it up if the everybody teams, yeah, I said, look, if you want to live stream your matches away from home, you have X number of cameras you can you know, do, or you can plug into what Vandreza mm-hmm. will do when they come to your, you know, to your location. They could have done that. And that way they would have probably put themselves in a situation where everybody is more or less on happy the, on the same page. And on the same page. Mm-hmm. Here you have a a form of uh Favoritism, if you want to put it that way. At least that's what the other clubs will feel. That is what they feel. So they have a, a right to stand against, um, that rule. So in simple terms, the NNL goofed. Okay. Big time by giving Andresa that blanket approval without having all mm. stakeholders on board. But it, and there's been some criticism of Andresa's actions. Um, some have said that you know that there's no way you do not know the terrain you are coming into. And there's no way you should expect that things will just open up for you. You would not encounter some serious obstacles. You should have been prepared for the obstacles they faced. That's one, um, one, um, how I do I say it? One, one, uh, criticism. Mm-hmm. The second one is the fact that does walking away solve the problem? You've invested so much time and effort and money. You've gotten to a point that 
you do not fight a war expecting to win every little battle. You win battles. You there are times you win, there are times you lose. But hopefully, you want to win the war. Is there any merit to this criticism, or uh, is Vandressa as a team, as an organization, can they say we're frustrated? We wanted to work out, and we've had enough. They did, they've played um I think eleven games. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it eleven? Yes, eleven games. They've played eleven games in uh, in the in the NNL of the eleven. Let's assume that six were away games. I don't think it's up to six, but let's assume that six were away games. Of the six or away games, five. or at least five of the six away games, they gave a glowing testimony about about what what, what transpired at uh, Jabodi. Mm-hmm. When they play shooting stars, which meant that they, they had some good breaks. It wasn't an uphill battle all the time. All the time. Okay. So, um, uh, when they say they are frustrated, I know there there was that incident with, with Ocean United, mm. um, where the NNL first said that um, the, I think the, the NNL said the game will be replayed after that. Uh, they, they, they brought some evidence. The NNL said, you know what, Ocean United infracted. And so they played the game, and then the NNL turned around again to say, "You know what? The result of the game stands as it was before you filed the complaint." So for me, um, I know opinions are divided on, on divided on this. I, I've, 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 I'm on the WhatsApp group where it was debated, and a lot of people, especially those living abroad, said that you know what, you can't do things well in Nigeria because some people don't want development, and the argument is that because Vandreza, um were bringing innovations. Mm that people should have bent over backwards for them. Now, I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. First, there are rules. Secondly, remember in one year national, Leventus United and Abela Babes, they were at this same point several years ago, yeah. 20, 30, 40 years ago. And at the end of it all, Leventus United and Abela Babes announced that they've had enough mm-hmm. after several years of trying to change the system. It was sad that they left, but they announced that they were leaving it was timed. It made it easy for everybody else to adjust. I think Vandreza were led by their ego. I applaud everything they've done. Mm. But I'm praying that Bagada FC, the other team we talked about in that, in, in that podcast, yeah. were also trying to do things right and are, are, are trying to build from, from the ground up. I hope they are learning from all this. The fact is, the things that you and I protest about in, in the Nigerian football system, mm. they are there. They are endemic. And to uproot them, you've got to be patient. I felt that what, what Vandera should have done was that, you see, all of us are applauding their growth. They should have tried to get, to win people over bit by bit. For instance, you played against shooting stars and said shooting stars afforded you everything and they were hospitable. Get into, get into the head of shooting stars. Get them to join you. Mm-hmm. Even the go round that you jousted with, they're, they're also a private club. Yeah. Go there, play that game with, with the two cameras. Then call the owner to a meeting. You know what? All of us can make money from this thing. Let's work it. Mm. And they also mentioned that one of the games that, uh, that, that they, that they, that they streamed live, I think it was Nela, against Nela, Nela UFC. Nela is also a private club. Mm. Nela, and, the, and the good thing about that Nela game was that Vandreza streamed the, 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 streamed the game, the game live. Agents watching abroad, they saw one player from Vandreza, two from Nela. So they, interested. So Nila are going to make money, they are going to make money. These people are the people that should have called into a corner mm. and start talking with them. I think they okay. left in a huff. But the, the, the other part of it is that mm. 
The NNL said they have not received any letter from Vandreza. Well, all they have done is they have done what they've, what they've done all the while. They've started a media war. Mm. Okay. They didn't. So I, I feel that even now, if the NNL have, if, if the NNL had any sympathy for them, for dragging the NNL publicly like this, mm. they won't see any favors when they go, if they do decide to come back. Meanwhile, they are still running campaigns in the media about how great their club is, which means they still want to do something in that space. Because by working out, all the young men, all the staff that you have under your employee have just made mm-hmm. them jobless. Mm-hmm. So okay. are you going to compensate them or are you going to come back to this system that you have dragged? Can we say though, not speaking for one but can we say though that what they mentioned some well-established clubs in the past, but in recent years, Ikrodi United, COD United, also walked away from the league. Is that a trend? And is there something to be said for these clubs? I understand everything what is said, but maybe from the side of the NLL or from the side of the lower leagues as well. Is there something that can be done not to discourage? Because for everybody that comes in to the league is an investment, is employment, is food on the table of more people. So when you have teams like that, who are coming in and pulling out, taking their resources elsewhere. Football loses. So is there something to be said? Is it a trend? Now it's Van Dreza. It was COD United. It was uh, Crude United. You know, he but it made a valid point that the system is averse to innovation. Mm. And because you are dealing with private clubs, the private clubs are more sustainable, you know, they're more in tune with innovation yeah, because the processes are easier and smoother with the owners and what have you. Unlike the state-owned clubs yeah, who are, you know, government clubs, more like ministries. So the process of innovation is, is, is harder to mm. pull through. So he mentioned the solution there. It's important that these clubs band together we have the same thinking, the same reasoning. Almost the same source of few of them go around near yeah. your... So we could band together. At, the, at that level, yes. We could band together that, okay, let's see how this season plays out. Let's see how it plays out. The next season, all of them come together and say, we want to do the same thing Vandreza mm. is doing. Mm. Exactly. So that way, the other will look at it and say, okay, and you show them the merits. You are propagating the league. You are pushing it out. To a global audience, our players get spotted. You know, it could lead to more investment into the. Hey, league. Hey, look, NLL could even say, "Listen, look, this thing is missing all over the world. Bring in sponsors." Mm. So you know? it's a win-win for everybody. But you see, to win in Nigerian football, we know that the government clubs are part of the major problem, right? But you have to win people to your side. You have to form allies gradually. You have to get allies gradually, and when you start having five clubs out of 20 banding together. Mm. That five becomes seven. Seven becomes mm. ten. Mm. Already, you are gradually gaining control. So, yes, we all do understand for, for a COD, for instance, that the, the problems are many. You are talking of innovation. There's still the problem of referees. Mm-hmm. There's still the problem of, of, of fans, the experience, you know, all this. The problems are many, but you have an opportunity to start nipping them in the board one after the other. And I think, like Bonnie said, patience. Mm. You have to have thick skin to play 
Because you see, the way I see it is that I can imagine how much money oh, yes. the management of that club has sunk That's into sunk, yes, what yeah. they've done so far. And I just feel, I feel a bit sorry for them for walking away. I hope it's something that can still be retrieved. Especially the competition where you know, it's um, no price one. Exactly. Uh, uh, you know, maybe it was a knee-jerk reaction. And, and I think we can understand the frustrations. Yeah. What I just felt was that coming into this, you should know that it's not going to be a smooth sale. It's, it's never it's going to be a smooth sale. And like you say, you must be ready for it. But, but it, what do you think there's a way out here well, we know, like you said, they're still doing things and all of that. Do you think there's a way you can bring them back to the table without people having a, a negative reaction to them and all of that? I know, maybe we, we said it on the podcast earlier before, you know, when we talked about them, that maybe they needed to step easy. People are averse to change. Innovation brings resistance and all of that. But is there a way, well, I don't know about who runs the club, I don't know about money, is there a way they can be brought back to the table and say, look, just Continue this process. You are going to lose a lot of battles, but eventually you might win the war. There's a way back, DG. But like I said, first off, they should they, they should keep their media campaign on promoting the club like they've been doing. Mm. Um, anything that, that has to, to do with the NNL or that that has to do with any past incidents, they've got to forgo all those. Okay. Secondly, they've got to hold several meetings. Like I've mentioned some of the meetings that meetings that that, that they, they have to, they've got to first mend mend fences mm. and they start holding meetings with critical stakeholders, stakeholders like themselves. Look, just imagine if if the way it is now, they are not likely to be promoted. Mm-hmm. Imagine if Bagada FC joins them next season. Yeah. So now you have two of them who are private. Adelayo, private, is private. Is private. They can have the and same kind of mindset. If Goran doesn't get promoted, they are also there. And I think if they take that step. Forward, I can imagine how many a, a, a number of private people are thinking. Hey, you know what? I think it's time There's for us to here. it's time for us to start and see if this will work. What all of us talk about lack of investment in, uh, by Nigerians in in, in the Nigerian league. But if Van Dreza fails, and they are now they are like they, 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 it's looking like it's, it's a spectacular failure. If they do. I think it's going to discourage. Yeah, it's, be, it, it, it's, it's to set back the progress we are looking for, like 10, 15 years, because guys will mm-hmm. be like, ah, Van Dessa tried it, it's I didn't work. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I feel it's important that they come back, mm-hmm. hold meetings with stakeholders, mend fences, and keep rolling. You know, because for me, as we round this up, I mean, for me, anytime these things happen, my thought always goes to the players, to the young players, the coaches. The playing staff, yeah. back room, back room, coaches, trainers, and the players themselves. Because anytime there is a platform for them, you do not know what that platform will throw up. Yep. It could throw up the next big footballer. You never know. So when this kind of thing happens and it's shut down, I always feel for the players and the talents there. And some of them might be left to rot. Some of them may never, ever get this opportunity again. They may never get to play for another club. So I always feel that that should be a concern and a worry. Um, as round up, Yemi, I'll give you the last word. Like Bode has suggested some steps. From Van Dresser perspective, what do they think they should do? And from NNL perspective, what do they think they should do? NNL should not have the attitude of, eh, Shibi, you said you're going and all of that. What's the meeting ground or meeting point for them? 
for the both sides. If indeed Randreza decides to step back. Well, missing ground for both is to come to the table. Come yeah. to the table in the sense that, and that involves all stakeholders. The gray area which ha- which works with the um, with the broadcast rights mm. has to, to be sorted out. First and foremost, they've made huge investments in you know in that side, so it is a major tipping point for them. So that has mm. to be resolved. Now, of course, there are issues surrounding officiating and what have you. Mm. Everybody has to come to the table. Come to the table and discuss it. They say there's, there's an idea that says if you beat your child with, with one, one hand, hand you, you draw, use the other one to, to draw him or her you know, close. So that is what the NNL needs to do. Okay. They have okay. to find a way to bring them to the table with the other clubs. Okay. And hopefully, know, hopefully it will be resolved because like I said, those talents, those players are the heart of this and they need an opportunity. And talking about talents, a player that was here probably played for a lower club like this, got in the other 17 team. You know, like I said, you never know where the next Kelechi Hianacho, for instance, will come from. And so, on that note, we go to, what happened? How did he become senior man, sir? <laughs> I don't understand where that nickname came from. Was it, was it uh, Ndidi? Ndidi called him senior a, man in one video and the thing. Senior man is a, is, is a local balance where mm. a, a player on the pitch who seems to be showing um, abilities beyond. Um, yeah. Kelechi Hianajo is in red hot form. Uh, his goal just took um, Leicester City to the finals of the FA Cup where they'll play Chelsea. Scored 10 in his last seven. He's just been in a rich vein of form. Uh, was a Premier League player of the month for March. I remember the very first time I watched Kelechi play at the Under-17 World Cup. Was it 2013 that we won? Was it 2013? No, 2015. Okay. 2013. And I think it was Bodhi and I watching in our office. Donna, and they hadn't played the game 10 minutes. I picked him and I was like, this guy is a superstar footballer. Because his touch, his eye for goal and all of that. Did he end that tournament as top scorer or something like that? Or he was one of the was best all, players? He was one of the best players. And all. So he went into Man City and I personally felt that was a <laughs> bit too far. I felt it was the wrong move, personally. But somehow, he did fairly well at Man City. Leicester struggled and all that. But of late, Kelechi is the big story, even in the English Premier League, to the point that uh, he's, he's even gotten uh, commercial endorsements. Yeah. Uh, from Nachos. From Nachos, you know, <laughs> from his name. What do you think is responsible for Kelechi's red-hot form? Sorry, senior man. <laughs> red-hot form. So far, you mean? I think he's seizing the opportunity. Okay. Um, Vardy injured at the point, completely mm-hmm. off form. Mm-hmm. And then the injuries to Harvey Banks and yeah. um, James Madison. Madison opened so up an opportunity opened for up, him. You know, an opportunity for And he has seized it and taken it with both hands. Now, of course, you also can't take away the fact that he has a, uh, a Nigerian colleague with yeah. who everybody knows is probably one of Leicester's best players. So the support that that gives you, knowing that you have, you know, a fellow countryman on your side is also very important. Also, I think Brenner Rogers has somehow figured out a way to play him and take him away from that mentality that we've all come to attribute to Kirechi. What am I saying so? At City, under uh, Pellegrini, mm. he was kind of buffed up. 
to be a centre striker. Mm. Because, yeah, joining City at the time, they mm. had Aguero. Mm. Aguero was the only striker they had. And he was coming up around and said, okay, look, this guy can be a striker. Let's buff him up. Make him a bit big because of the uh, physical assertions of the Premier League. But I think what Rogers has done is he's found a way to use him differently. You made a good point there. But he, at that under-21, under-17 World Cup, he was number 10. Yep. And I've always felt, we've always felt, as you and I have always felt, this guy is not he's a number, not a, nine. number nine. Now you can see that he's playing as a 10, just off, uh, well, not as a 10, but just not, off, as a 10. not as a 10 in real time, no. but just off the main striker. That's what he did at the uh, World, uh, the 17 sense. World Cup. And he, he seems to have found his niche. And even though Vadi is not scoring, they are playing well together. Mm-hmm. They are creating for each other. And I think it just also goes to underline why you need to be patient with players. You know, I think Brendan Rogers has been patient with him and he's come good at the right time, especially at the time when uh, Vadi, the go-to guy, just dried up goals-wise. He's coming to the fore. And even from, you know, a national team perspective, he was out of the team for a while. Mm. It just also underlines the fact the that if you're not doing well, yeah, I don't think he was at the, the National Cup. If you're not yes. doing well, just knuckle down, get to work, because if you're playing well, nobody can ignore you. I, I, I agree. Remember when Onfred Dobo lost form mm. a, a while back? And uh, I remember somebody saying that um, a good player doesn't become bad overnight. Yeah. Mm. That's a matter of time. Form is temporary. Yeah. Class is Class permanent. Kelechi was one of the players, like you said, that we picked out from that under 17. Most people don't remember that Samuel Chukwezi was in that team. Was in well. that team. Mm. The, okay, no, the, the, the later one. It was Isaac Success. Isaac Success. That was in that team. It was was one of the players that from the under 17 level, you know, under 17 players, sometimes they tend to look older than their ages. Let me put it that way. And he, he, he looked the part and he was playing. I actually, I've actually seen him play well from Calabar where they okay. played play their qualifiers. Mm. And he was, okay, I think he was in the same team with Victor Sime. Mm. Are you sure? Sime and Chukweze. Uh, Chukweze. Uh, okay, and, okay, those just are the same set yeah. from Calabar. And the, the, okay, it was with the, with the, Wakali. 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 When he went to City, like you said, it was like, we felt that if he had gone to a Belgium or a Holland, or Holland uh, yeah, it would have become a mid, bigger. A mid-European team club. Yeah. I think he lost his way a bit, like he said, at, at City. But what we are seeing now is Kelechi that we saw at that time. Mm. I think he's, he got his mojo back. Yes, he seized, yeah, he seized the, the, uh, his chance with both hands. But I, I do feel that his path to regular first-team football was blocked by those players that mm. you mentioned. I feel Brendan Rogers must have seen him week in, week out in training, doing things that are good. But because of the form of those other guys, he couldn't trust him yeah. to play. But now, Kirchi is playing the way we always felt he, he was could capable play. Of. He was cap- capable mm. of playing. And I'm happy for him. Because we, we saw we saw the Osimens and the, and the Chukwizis grow. We saw him miss the Nations Cup and it was like, and you know that was the time, like you said, it was so heavy. That's when it's moving, you could see his backside rolling. Mm. And you're thinking, <laughs> oh, that was going on. He seemed to lose his way a little bit. <laughs> because then, you know, there were also some negative stories, some yes, stories. Yes. He did seem to lose his way a little bit, but Diggy, it's good that he found I, he I think that steps. comes from sometimes frustration from players. Yeah. Okay. When they're not getting playing time, these guys like, <coughs> excuse me, they, they, they love being adored and they love doing what they do. 
and when they are not doing it regularly, it's I think it's all sports men. Okay. They start doing other things. Okay. And of course, when when you are known to be this good, mm. you lost form and you are doing those other things, it becomes a story. You know, sometimes you are sorry, sometimes mm. you are playing well and you are doing those things. The press will overlook it. As yeah. as it but yeah. so you are it's not. So, I, uh, so I think that was so what led to that, those stories. Well, anything you, anything do you do will be exacerbated. That was you it. Know. You know, because who would have thought that in the current season right now, Kelly Yanacho will be the top scorer at Leicester with all the attacking talent that, that they, they have. have. 14, one go- 14 goals so far, one goal in national team friendlies, scored 13 goals, Premier League Europa and all of that. Then since his debut in the FA Cup in January 2016, he has scored more goals in this competition than any other player, 14 in 19. You know, so some really interesting stats there. And well, I don't want Chelsea fans to come after me because I put this on Twitter. That was a lot of it in Leicester to win the FA Cup. For a club like Leicester though, yes, they won the Premier League a few years ago. For them to be, if they win the FA Cup, how massive would that be? Huge. Mm. Yes, you probably say hey, it's the FA Cup won the Premier League. It would be huge. Why? At the time, won the Premier League. It's still a huge. Yeah, story. it was. Yeah, it's just. This is the first in fifty-two yeah. years. Yes. Mm. So imagine them winning the FA Cup. Now, yes, you see, Ben Rogers won titles in Scotland, mm, mm. but it's also huge for Ben Rogers because yeah. now apparently yeah. puts him in the position that okay, this guy can win the serious trophies. Mm. Now it brings that winning feeling into that team. Mm. It will also help them, especially if they qualify for the Champions League, help them to keep their big players in the, the being one yeah, of such. Yeah, yeah. So it help, it will help the team stay together. And then they can also attract bigger names. bigger signings mm. and say, okay, where where this club is gradually moving in the direction mm. of elevation. So mm. it is going to be big for them. I hope they can I, I join you in hoping that Leicester can win the <laughs> FA Cup. <laughs> Please, Chelsea fans, please don't boycott this podcast. <laughs> no, no, see, wait, <laughs> don't boycott this podcast. Uh, uh, Obafemi Martins won the against all odds with yeah. Birmingham. Kanu mm. won the against all odds with Portsmouth. Mm. And back in the Michaels. Yeah, you know it was Kanu and Utaka. In yeah, the Portsmouth team. Yeah. 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 I think it was actually Utaka that created the goals, crossed the ball, the goalkeeper touched it, and and Kanu uh, just tapped it in. You know what can we say about Brendan Rodgers? Though um, he seems to have been able to. You know, you know that at the time, Kelechi came for a lot of money, 25 million pounds. Oh, yeah. And there was a lot of pressure that he wasn't delivering and all of that. But for Brendan Rogers to, yes, we know the opportunity presented itself with the injuries. But for Brendan Rogers to have been a bit patient with him, maybe there was something he saw and he just felt that we can go this out of this guy and he's delivered. That's, that's another man that's reinvented himself. Yeah. Mm. Remember, he flamed out at, at Liverpool. Yeah. He went up north and, um, did good things there. And, you know, when he came to Leicester, I was like, okay, let's see what, 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 what he'll be able to do. And so far, he has, I think he has matched and surpassed expectations. Mm. If he wins the F- FA Cup, like, uh, like Yemi said, it would be a huge feather in his cap. Finally, mm. he's won something, uh, um, in uh, England. In, in England. And finally, he's, he's built a team. Almost no superstars. Because I think he grew. More yeah. under him mm. at, at Portsmouth. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, a good point. Yeah, he grew under him at, 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 at and even some other players too that have that have grown mm. under him. He's inspired to to mould them into a decent side. Look, all the injuries that he had, like, like you mentioned, he's and he still managed to to get players to step to step and up. The, and their recruitment and is excellent. Very good. For Fana, 
the defender. Yeah, yeah, Fofana. He's like a steal. Yeah, terrific player. And then you mentioned Ndidi. Let's take a detour. How good has Ndidi become? You know, you know I mean? let, let, let me, even though I, I, I hate doing this, let me steal a line from the English media. Brendan Rodgers develops and improves players. players. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the byline. From But we've known how good and how excellent it can still become. Yep, yep. At the point that he's, he's great, and I think with this manager, I think he understands him. In fact, mm. he was bold enough to play my centre-back yeah, that shows a lot of trust. That shows a lot of trust. And from a Nigerian sense, I've been one of those people I was like, did that center back? Mm. Because I've always felt that he's one that is always susceptible to yellow cards, mm. you know, fouls. And we can we can mention the fouls yeah. and how costly they've been. But look at him in the last few months. Mm. He's Cutting tidier. He's been cleaner. He's also adding assists. Considering who he came to replace at Leicester. Ngolokante. Yeah, they brought in Mendy. They brought in Mendy. Mendy, 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 Mendy but considering the fact that he was more or less made Leicester fans forget about Ngolokante. Yes, they have. That shows you what a terrific job he's done. Yes. It, it does. It does. And um, <laughs> when Villan won, at Leicester, he wasn't playing. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that there's that record about when he doesn't play. Oh, Leicester yes. tends not to oh, do. That, that, uh, that happened last season. They were doing really well. Well, and then he got four, injured. Got injured, and, sh- and they fell off. Those. Can they retain their top four place? So the pressure is much. They lost two much. games in the Premier League back to back, even though I'll beat against top teams. Mm. You know, but can they retain? That top four place because he's, he's getting really tight. Apart from Manchester United and Man City, who two and one, be, who seem to be yeah. well established from third to like sixth, seventh is really very tight. Very tight. I think they can, and, and I'm saying they can because. Oh, no, let, me, let me put this question to you. If they have to choose between top four finish and an FA Cup win, ah. <laughs> <laughs> what would they choose? <laughs> even, even despite all the madness that's going on at the moment, uh, you take that top four. <laughs> you take that top But mm. sincerely, looking at that race, because there's a huge chance for all the teams in that race to still cancel themselves out. Yeah. Yeah, I think let's start. And, I, and I think I think, can, I think there are still a few games between, between teams. Them. I think Liverpool and Chelsea are still playing. I think one or two other other teams I are, think still, they are still playing. Great to see Indidi and uh, Kelechi who started conversation doing well. Uh, hopefully they'll continue to do well. Chelsea fans, please don't boycott the podcast <laughs> because of this. We here are supporting Leicester <laughs> for the FA Cup final because it will do great things for them. Yeah. And um, he will do great things for the community as well. It's always good to see Nigerian players doing well because it's, the English Premier League is very tough. It is. Yeah. It's it very is. tough. So to go in there and to do well, and Kelechi is only the first Nigerian to win Player of the Month. I think Osaze, um, uh, JJ, and um, the, no, 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 the Watford guy that went to Man U. Oh, Igalo. 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 Those are the other three. So he's the fourth one. And, and I think it was also, I said I won him multiple times. And it would be so, nice to, for an English coach to win an FA Cup. Mm. After you know, right. yeah. a long time. <laughs> so, so, right. so last, last, can you please cut soup? <laughs> so, well, one thing that is going on that Leicester, we talked about Leicester making the top four. Well, if this idea is pushed through, 
that top four might be meaningless. West Ham making top four might be meaningless if indeed the plans for the European Super League, which has generated terrible storm across the world of football in the last few days, we were going to talk about this next week, but it's, it's, it's such a huge it's, elephant it's in the room. Blo- it's blowing so that hard. That we cannot ignore it and we have to talk about it. So, the European Super League has generated quite a storm, controversy across the world of football. Uh, six teams in case, well, I'm sure, except you live on another planet or you're not a football fan, you will tell us you don't know what's the European Super League. Well, uh, let me just break it down. Six teams from England and three from uh, Spain, three from Italy have decided to form a European Super League. They are Man City, Man U, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal and Spurs from England, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid and Barcelona from Spain, Juventus and the Milan clubs, AC and Inter from Italy. I'll let Yemi set the tone, break it down for us. What do they want to achieve with this European Super League? And why is there such a brouhaha about it? First of all, football is business. Mm. And you have an industry today that the ownership structures is diluted. Okay. It's, it's a firm departure from the days of when you had community based ownerships, uh, club memberships, you know, and maybe community businessmen or country businessmen buying into clubs or owning clubs. Now you have diversified, um, Ownership portfolios. Mm-hmm. So you have investment funds, venture capitalists, you know, all, all kinds of people owning stakes in different clubs. Mm-hmm. And their own mindset is different. And their mindset is completely different. They, they don't care about the community. They just care about making the money. So what these guys have done is to create an, ex- supposedly create an exclusive club for themselves. Um, they're still looking for three teams to add to it to mm-hmm. complete so-called 15 founding, uh, members. And then they will have five other teams that will join via qualifiers to make it a, a league of 20. Okay. So what they're saying is that um, UEFA makes about $2.9 billion uh, per annum. Or at least last year, $2.9 billion per annum. And out of that $2.9 billion, $2.4 billion of it comes from the UEFA Champions League. Okay. And if you win... UEFA Champions League, or you participate in UEFA Champions if you win, participate, or whatever, you, you probably get a, upwards of maybe $150 million. Mm-hmm. They're saying it's not good enough. Now, but with this arrangement, you can get double that and also get some kind of uh, infrastructural funding to cater for their losses due to mm-hmm. COVID. Mm-hmm. So, what is the way forward? Of course, everybody, there are dagger drawns. You know, daggers have been drawn with the football authorities because it eliminates the spirit of competition, fair play, um, and this so-called exclusive class <laughs> consists of clubs who have no moral right at this mm. point in time to say they belong <laughs> to an exclusive class. Let me force you there. There are 12 founding teams. We've listed those teams. And there will be 20 participating clubs with 15 founding clubs and a qualifying mechanism for a further five teams to qualify annually based on achievements in the prior season. What they're saying is these 12, come rain, 
come shine hell or high water, they would play. So even if they finish 10th or 17th or 28th in their leagues, they would play. And a lot of people feel that is against the spirit of the of competition. But, buddy, let me establish this. As far as I'm concerned, FIFA, UEFA, pot calling kettle black. Hypocrites. They are hypocrites. They are the original money grabbers. You have UEFA, uh, you have the, uh, how do you, you have the European Championship, they created UEFA Nations League. They are trying to create a third conference league for Europe. You know, they to themselves, they are taking the World Club Cup uh, everywhere. Then you have FIFA, World Cup, Qatar, bright bank in the middle of the European season in a place where the temperatures are not supposedly good enough for players, you know. So they themselves have shown that where there is money, so that these teams are going to grab money, FIFA and UEFA should not go there because I think they set the tone for money grabbing. What people are having against these clubs is the fact that, okay, you built your reputations as clubs on your domestic performances and your performances in European competition. Real Madrid will tell you we've won 12 Champions Leagues. Liverpool will tell you we are the best competitor in Romania. will tell you we won 26 league titles, blah, 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 blah. So the criticism is that what you want to do effectively is going to affect these platforms that built you up to the level where you can yeah, take cuts, advantage yeah. of your popularity. popularity. Mm. And these platforms are going to be terribly hurt by what you're trying to do. So, buddy, what do you say to that? I agree completely. Um, did you see, I think you're the one that made the point earlier that these clubs that, are great, that, that want to leave from England mm. In the first instance, a lot of cities in England, mm. in fact, in, in, in a lot of places across Europe, mm. the economies are built around big clubs coming to play against small clubs. Yeah. Secondly, how boring will it, will it be mm. for Arsenal fans, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, when there's no there's no uh, North London, uh, there's no North, North London or Chelsea or Chelsea. Mm. Even sometimes, see, let, let, let me let me poke their eyes. Aston Villa, Aston Villa, <laughs> come on. <laughs> they are saying though that they are saying though that they are going to play the European uh, Super Domestic, League yeah. and they are still going to play the the domestic yes, leagues yes. if the leagues allow. Allow. But I'm saying that I'm saying that once you are guaranteed qualification for that. Why are you going to... It makes the domestic league... Yeah, exactly. Because there's nothing to fight there's for. Not, no, you see, I think that's why they left those five sports. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, those five sports is spread across Europe. You know, they, they, have, they have 15 yeah. permanent members. Uh, yeah, but the guaranteed members don't have to play for anything domestic. I know. That, that's, um, so, you no. So, the one that's the other people to be scraping for that one, one position. To Look, I think... Um, uh, it is best this is stopped now because I say it's a situation where if they don't stop it now, what stops other people from saying, you know what, let's do the yeah. same thing with the, nas- with the national teams yeah. instead yeah. of playing the World Cup every four years? Mm, yeah. Why don't the Brazils and the Germanys and the Argentina come together and, and, and take one team from Africa? We don't need to be playing with all these African countries, exactly. And all of that. And because come, it's, it's set is a precedent, it's a, it's a precedent, yeah. it is mm. a precedent. And mm. let, let, let's, even, let's even stretch it. 
Why can't we in Lagos find some okay, you know what? Stationary stores, shooting stars, rangers, and and insurance. Let him stay in one place because they don't have history. They don't exactly. But you know the funny thing is, I think a few years ago, Shalikweku wrote something in in their paper back in the day that Shalikweku. Okay, wrote something in their paper back in the day. in the game, yeah. That wouldn't it be nice to have what you have in boxing, in football? They have WBC, WB, no, WBC champion, different So you have your European Super League champion, European champion. You know, I was on a couple of shows yesterday where they were asking questions about this, and some people were saying certain things about whether there's a commission that Champions can go ahead. No, with this, Champions League is effectively dead. Yes, that's what it means. That's what it means. You can't have ESL and then Champions side by side. It's not going to happen. So, because they're not going to play, then how many games would they want to play no, in the season? Mm-mm, mm-mm. What the part, what kills the Champions League? Mm. When these 15 so-called teams, who's left? That, no, that's what I'm saying. Some people were feeling that you could do the two side how? by side. Exactly. <laughs> you want to kill them. You know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, there's been comparisons to NBA model. Yeah. L- it does a flawed comparison. It's not even the same. It's a franchise. Franchises. And play, you don't have Division 2, Division 3, Division 4. And the NBA has a situation where players go from mostly college yeah. or even high school straight to the professional leagues. And they started their model like that. That's, that's how it started. That's how it was established. It, it wasn't any uh, in 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 separation. In European football, some of these clubs, Liverpool, Man U, were at one point they were at the bottom of the ladder. They rose, to, they the rose to the top. And having risen to the top, it looks like you want to destroy that pyramid that brought you up. So, um, how do they get around this? Because I don't see how, I think it's going to get messy. Oh, it's, it's going, going to get very ugly. Because I do not see how UEFA will sit down and let some 12 clubs supposedly honor their jurisdiction kill their bread and butter. From three countries. Which is the... Three, three countries. Just three countries. Out of 50-something countries uh, in Europe. And kill what is their bread and butter at the UEFA Champions, which, yeah, you talked about the money, but it's a very good product. A great product that UEFA has bent over backwards for the big year clubs. Year in, year out mm. for the big clubs. Mm. I remember when Platini was president, he tried to create access, make the Champions League available for some of the smaller countries, you know, to get a chance to play in the Champions League. A lot of the big clubs fought against it. Now, look, why are you opening this thing up so much and having, you know, representatives from the smaller countries? And he said, look, the money has to go around. And that is my argument that, yes, you say $2.4 billion comes from the Champions League and you're getting... Uh, yeah, 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 I don't I don't want to miss this chance. Mm. That's also how some teams started playing Champions League. Yes, yeah, so so you know those teams. <laughs> Look. You, know, you know, you know, because uh the let, let, let's let, what you have been trying to say. Let me let me expand it a little bit. What I'm trying to say is that well, we call it the Champions League, but because they wanted some of these bigger clubs exactly to so get involved, like they started giving Chance for second, third, <laughs> fourth yeah. to qualify for for the champions because the champion is actually one team from one team. Like, you know, so, like, like when Villa won ninety two, you are champions <laughs> of England, you know. And then I honestly think it was tougher then because oh, we yeah, were playing only the champion teams from the other countries. Yeah, so you know, so, so by the way, no group stage. I mean, what you were saying is that 
they bent over backwards enough for this team. But what can you say in favor of what these teams are trying to do? Don't let's just be completely. Is there any positivity or any merit you can take from what they're trying to do? Okay. Is there anything? Is there any way it benefits the football hierarchy apart from mm. benefiting only them? That's one. Two, there's the criticism that a lot of these clubs financially mismanage themselves. So they're desperate in need of money. Real Madrid, Manchester United, probably Barcelona have completely mismanaged themselves and this money is there. Two angles. The spectacle and the potential disruption that it could cause. Mm. And the disruption I'm talking about is in broadcast. Mm -hmm. Now you're talking about a world where you have your Netflix, your Amazon Prime, your DZone. That is an angle that they can explore. Mm. So they leave the regular media, your, your super sports, your mm, sky sports, mm, mm. whatever, and go to those guys. And note, if they have the Netflix, the YouTube, and what have you, the access they are creating on a global scale is mm. wider. Yeah. That is a positive. And of course, that also gives them access to more money mm. in, in TV rights. Now, spectacle. Yes. Big games, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Real Madrid facing Juventus. Real Madrid but won't it be watered down if it is done year in, year out? That is, I, I, I that have, is where, that, worry that is where it. it eliminates the competition. Won't it be watered you know, down? I, I think this is where I like the model of the European Nations League. Mm -hmm. There's division one, there's division two, there's division three. There's division three. That's what I was talking about when you mentioned. <laughs> and, and, and you can be promoted. Mm. Yeah. So the best teams are playing division one. So while you think, okay, this looks like, like European Championships, but it is not. Mm. Because there's something for the teams in the lower rung to play to for. Play for. Yeah. Mm. And I, I'm, I'm thinking, if you really want to spend money, okay, so why not, let, let's say, let all the teams that have played in Champions League, be, that, that have won the Champions League before, mm. put them in one group. Mm -hmm. Those who have to... Hold on, I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> let those who have the potential to win it, but have not won it before, put them in second group. Now, if you drop out of that group, you drop to the second. So, that, 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 what I will find is level. So, if Villa mm. cannot beat Juventus or you cannot beat Barcelona, you drop to those who, to, to, to the second, second level. And the Astros and, and the other ones, they, they come up. So, mm. you mean at least you know you are fighting for something. Yeah. But this one that's, 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 that's actually a fantastic idea. Yeah. Yes, it is. There, there is, there is another angle to this, which I felt has led to a lot of the bad blood between UEFA and these, um, European clubs. And now the fact that the announcement and the timing <laughs> and the details. Yeah. I see some similarities in the details. I think UEFA, I think some of you guys, Agnelli resigned yeah. as a president of European Clubs uh, Association. Yeah. And then uh, the United man, um, Ed Woodward, what is his name? <laughs> Seferin has called him all kinds of names <laughs> and all of that. I think part of the anger is the fact that ESL, that's European Super League, made the announcement on Sunday. Some of the details yeah. are eerily similar. Yeah. In terms of the 10 groups, uh, 10, ten, groups, ten, ten, league, uh, ten, 10 teams yeah. in each group, top eight to qualify, uh, playoff and all of that. There are so many similarities. So I think UEFA feels that these guys sat with us Took some of our ideas, tweaked it. The snakes. They know that we are going to announce our own on a Monday. They release their own on a Sunday night. <laughs> and if that is indeed the case, I think it just goes to show <laughs> who makes announcements on Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> it just goes to show the mindset. Yemi, yeah, I mean, do you think 
they they can push this through, or do you think the the vehemence of the opposition to this? And I come to this with this governments, yeah. especially UK and Spain. I think governments in those two countries are will be vehemently opposed to this. I'll tell you why in a bit. And government legislation can easily end any any business model you want to put in place. They'll start telling they will follow all the players. International players, they'll follow release, uh, withdraw their playing yeah. uh, permission, their work, and work permit, and tell them to reapply. <laughs> That's the first step. It's going to be tough, tough in this, uh, tough to push it through, tough to push it through. Okay, because you can't be a participant and also be a governing body at the same time. True. Exactly. True. This is what the clubs are trying to do. It is They're what trying. they are. We're trying to acquire right rights, powers that. Ordinarily, you shouldn't, you know, accrue to yourself. So I think that's why it's going to be a tough sell. Secondly, we do know that England are very adverse to, you know, issues of free trade mm-hmm. or of, uh, or no, not free trade, um, competition. Okay. You know, ease of doing competitions, ease of trading, ease of doing business. Monopoly. Monopoly. They are very adverse, adverse to it. And this creates some kind of monopoly. monopoly. Mm. Also, like it or not, you are dealing with governments that are very, very keen on grassroots development. Yeah. The grassroots so even though they came out yesterday to say they have about $10 billion to spend on grassroots. All I see are very short-termish. I was going to ask you that. Let me because I was going to ask you that. JP Morgan wants to put 33 point something billion dollars in the ground. What's the sustainability? Where is the income going to be generated? Because, you know, we've seen high fallacious ideas like this mm-hmm. and all of that. What's the, where is the money going to come in from? Because even after a couple of years, the numbers are not adding up. Hey, we know what happens. Every, and you could correct me, every breakaway, whatever, that I know that has existed Phil. has gone bust. Give us examples. The ABA, the AFL, and mostly it's in America, the uh, AFL. And what at the NASL in the yeah, I think seventies, yeah. mm, early eighties, mm, 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 mm. they all went bust. This is good to throw around all this big, big money, you know, ten million, ten billion dollars a year. How sustainable is it? I yeah. think the bubble will bust after if I thought they put it through, the bubble will bust after three, four years. Why? Just look at what is happening in China. Yeah. Mm. China, the Chinese Super League came out with all their very outlandish plans. Gradually, We're running out of time. Let me stay, let me also stay with you. Could you say that? Europe is suffering from this influx of big money from wherever. Oh, of course. Of it course. started with the Russians, then the Middle then the, East people and yeah. all of that. They were just now the Americans and all and all of that. And these guys from America and all of that, they are, like you said, they don't care about local community sustainability. They don't want they just no, want they the don't. money, the green dollars. And all the most of the clubs involved in this, we have to be it has to be said, running have run into serious financial, financial problems. problems. Yeah. Real Madrid, Barcelona, and a billion dollars, a billion euro, Manchester United, debt. almost a billion. Manchester United, consistently in debt. Mm. So you ask yourself, really, the plan is based solely on financial, no, financial is not being nice, on greed. <laughs> Avarice. Justice. <laughs> on greed. Because they even asked, uh, Paris. Mm. What about the women's game? Say, yeah, somewhere along the line, we'll start the women's game. Yeah. You know, because I feel that this is, 
the world has got to a place where there is a lot of diversity and inclusion across all levels of sport for male, men, women, children, and most of the clubs are opening up female clubs and all of that. And this is like creaming the crop of all the money and all the yep. competition and the rest of football will suffer. That's what I have against it. There are businesses, they want to make money, but I feel that the structures that brought you to the top, you, you shouldn't destroy those structures you now kick because it, you want kick to it, yeah. make money and stay in business. As we round this up, what do you think is going to happen? The fight back by the governing bodies, the bans, the threats, and all of that. Are they going to pull that through? Are we going to have lawyers lining their pockets <laughs> from going to courts and all of that? How is it going to end? I think because next, I think it's going to be very messy. The next few very days and few weeks are going yeah, to be very bloody. Very, yeah. um, uh, UEFA are making threats. Mm. Um, the, 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 the Super League people, are, they, are, they, they, they look like they don't want to back down because they are, they are already spending, they are already counting the money. Mm. So I, I expect that the next few days and few weeks are going to be very, very interesting. Mm. Very, well, very interesting. Me? Your thoughts? I said so. I, I said on one platform yesterday that you know people were saying they will ban players, ban players. And so who's going to watch the World Cup? I said, well, I watch the World Cup because Nigeria doesn't have any players. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he knows he knows his teams. Ah. But that aside, I think it's an also it's also another opportunity to come to the table. Mm. I think that there will be a few concessions eventually. These clubs are like, like they're determined to pull this. They are, but they have nothing to stand on. They are counting the money already. They have to stand on. If we're being sincere, they have not to stand on. Okay. We can't really conclude now because it looks like there are still so many shades of this. Yeah. We'll just continue to follow the story. If we have to put this in the podcast for the next two weeks as it goes along, we're, we're going to do that. But that brings us to the end of this podcast. Very, very interesting week. Very, very... We couldn't even talk about Mourinho Sack. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure we'll find time and some other subsequent podcasts. I want to thank you for always joining up. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast so you can enjoy these discussions every week. Thank you guys and thanks for listening.